Unleavened Bread Ministries presents From your hands, your feet, your side Unleavened Bread Bible Studies with David Eels Can quench my thirsting soul Purest water made me whole Let your streams of mercy flow Oh Jesus, I trust in you Greetings, saints. Many blessings to you. Thank you for joining us today for the Unleavened Bread Bible Study. Father, thank you for giving wisdom today, Lord, um, showing us about our relationship with the angels and with you through the angels and their ministry towards us. Thank you, Father, for doing this for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to continue with um, Ministering Angels through UBM number four. And we're going to start with this um, uh, confirmation of the angels. Okay. And this was given to Isaac Payne. On eight eighteen twenty two, we called it Father confirms the angels, and Eve put notes in this, and I did too. I just wanted to share a confirmation dream that I had prayed for after listening to the first broadcast about angels and receiving the eight day fast email. I asked Father to confirm all this to me, and Father surely did. He gave me a dream that was to the point, and exactly correlating to all the events taking place concerning the angels. And after I woke up, I had to repent for any unbelief. I'm thankful for a Father who just wants us to believe and give, and gave me such strong answers to rid me of any unbelief, and I believe. And in this dream, I was with the local UBM body and a few from the UBM outreach body. We were standing outside in the country, and the sun was out, and it was very beautiful, bright day, and there was large trees around with beautiful green foliage. And standing next to me was Eve Brast, and in front of us was a white four-door car with some type of special painting on it. All over the car was what seemed like a lot of and signs. That's right, and. And we believe that this means a constant addition of revelations uh, and gifts of the Spirit through the angels. And, 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 I was all over the car. Okay. The and sign was a beautiful turquoise color. Well, turquoise is one of the stones in the high priest's breastplate, and the turquoise stone represents the tribe of Judah, who had the headship in Jerusalem, the bride including the man-child, right? Uh, Eve said, 
I really like this color. And so we took attention, made little attention to the color, of course. And I responded, so do I. And after that, Eve and Missy Pollock grabbed a car cover and draped it over the car. Uh, I believe that the cover probably represents a hiding of the vehicle, uh, the angelic ministers. Um, of course, they are invisible for God's purposes, uh, to most at least. However, this car cover had a key to it that could be unlocked or locked, and Eve was the only one with the key. I don't know what this means, but I remember in the dream that this was a very wonderful and powerful ability that Eve had. Well, this ability is the ability to see and converse with the angels for UBM ministry. Uh, they have said that that's their job, to look after UBM ministry and the people. And so... He goes on to say, Suddenly, the UBM local body and some of the UBM outreach were in an antique store. I believe this represents the life of the early church. Um, again, standing next to me was Eve, and all of the UBM local and some of the outreach were huddled around conversing in the store. There was a counter and a uh, cash register in front of all of us. Um, and behind it was David Eels, and it looked like a typical counter and a cash register at a restaurant. Uh, I believe this represents those who will pay the price to deny themselves in order to draw close to the Lord and partake of his food. And, of course, he asked us to do that fast for seven days going on the eighth day, which is a denying of self, kind of like Jesus did, too, by the way. He went through a fast and a temptation and overcame. Uh, I was still standing next to Eve, and suddenly the Lord began to reveal to me through supernatural knowledge confirming my prayers. It wasn't as if I was hearing his voice audibly, but it was just this intense feeling. Father was explaining everything to me in my heart. It was all-encompassing knowledge as Father's words entered into my heart. And Father said, Eve witnesses all such things because she is firstborn of the new creation meaning uh, Jerusalem, the bride of the last Adam, whose name was Eve, as we know, uh, uh, Jesus, who was the last Adam, uh, is the first in the kingdom, including her head, which is the man-child, David, as a type, okay? And uh, this is the first fruits of the body of Christ. You know, the body of Christ uh, is the one in whom Christ lives, okay? He lives to a more or less extent in all of the larger body of Christ, but those who manifest the body of Christ uh, manifest himself and his holiness, 
Okay. And um, Isaac gives Colossians 1, 15 to 16. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. So after reading verse 15, I read on to verse 16, and it fits so perfectly with all of this that it is truly remarkable. And it says, For in him were all things created, things in heaven and on earth, visible or invisible, whether throned or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Amen. And I looked up this verse because he showed me that she was firstborn of all creation. And I just explained some of that. But uh, this means that the new creation of Christ manifested in his bride. Right? The bride is the first fruits from among the larger body to manifest him. Who lives in his body, his true body? He does. Right? Still standing there, the Lord spoke to my heart again, saying, This is why I have named her Eve. Well, biblically, Eve was the first mother, and the mother of all living. Uh, and, of course, Eve is a type of that. And I knew in the dream it represented this verse, Mark three thirty-four and 35. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whosoever does the will of my father and brother uh, is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. And I believe this means she is birthing Christ in her. Yes, of course, in, in the natural and in the spiritual, you know. John 16 and 21 says, A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow because her time has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man, so it's a man-child, is born into the world. And Eve uh, put a note here. She said, When Father said in your dream that this is why I have named her Eve, this is true because both of my parents had agreed to name me Nina. Back when I was born, the nurses came out to my dad, who was in the waiting room, and asked him, What are you going to name her? Uh, in other words, for the birth certificate, right? He was about to tell them Nina, but he told me, that he heard an audible voice say, You will name her Eve. He told me this is how I got my name, that God had named me and not them. This was before my dad was saved, but he knew it was the voice of God that had spoken to him, and he feared to tell them anything else. So he told the nurses that my name was Eve. My mother was shocked when she found out that my dad had changed my name and that what they had put on the birth certificate. Uh, he told her that God had spoken to him and that he had to obey. 
But she was happy because she thought it was a nice name too. <laughs> okay. So back to Isaac here, okay? Uh, still standing next to Eve, I looked around and I saw arguing going on amongst some people. I did not recognize them, uh, maybe because they weren't supposed to be there, possibly. I don't know. Uh, one was a man who was short, pudgy, and bald. We might know who this is, <laughs> a troublemaker. Uh, I looked on past the, the bickering, and I saw Missy Pollock, who was very happy. And she said, I want dreams and visions, quote-unquote. I then said, quote, I too want dreams and visions, unquote. I looked at David, and he was standing behind the counter and cash register, and he said, quote, I too want visions, unquote. Uh, and then I woke up. I knew that we weren't talking about just dreams and visions, but visions into the spirit world to see the angels as Eve does. People do get gifts, and they do pass them on. All of the gifts, as a matter of fact, uh, can be passed on through the people in whom they are. Okay? And um, Matthew thirteen thirty-one through 32 is a verse he gives. Another parable set he before them. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a grain of a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is less than all seeds. But when it is full grown, it is greater than the herbs, and becometh a tree, so that the birds of the heavens come and lodge in the branches thereof. And, Isaac said, the Lord showed me that the birds that lodge in the full grown tree are the angels. Early in, earlier in Matthew 13, Jesus speaks about the parable of the sower and that the birds devoured the seed, which Jesus later explains are demonic angels. Amen. So birds can be angels. And I believe the heavenly angels are, are ready for our maturity to, to dispatch them through the spoken word coupled with faith. Yes, we have, of course, been shown that in the Scriptures, that when we command a thing, it's the angels uh, who mostly bring it to pass. Okay? So here's just a revelation that I, I got uh, during one of our meetings that just popped into my head. Uh, angels visit the shepherds and man-child comes. Luke 2, 8 through 21. And there were shepherds. Now this is the Greek word poimen, which also is, for, is the same word for pastor. Okay, so it's the pastor's. And in the same country, abiding in the field, keeping watch by night over the flock. So, so this is really talking about pastors in a larger sense than just their office, okay? People who are watching over their flock, okay? And an angel of the Lord stood by them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. So there's the angels. They showed up, and they were sore afraid. Well, notice that the angels visited the pastors and gave them instructions when the man-child came. Okay, verse 10. And the angel 
said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For there is born unto you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to say that the man-child has already been physically born, but his ministry is about to be born. Okay? Uh, anointed and born. And that's when Jesus went into the wilderness, of course. He, he was that way, too. He was 30 years old. He was Jesus, but he got anointed and went into the wilderness and was tested in order to start his ministry, right? Okay, and verse 12 says, And this is the sign unto you. You shall find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. In our eighth day meeting, by the way, people saw many angels worshiping with us in the building. And on earth, peace among men in whom he is well pleased. Well, the angels have visited us and given us instructions and telling us that the man-child's coming is very close. Um, again, the man-child is already here. Uh, just as David was already here, who was the man-child over the bride, uh, but he wasn't given that last anointing. Okay, that's what's coming, is that last anointing. And it came to pass, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us through the angels. All right? And they came with haste and found both Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known concerning the saying which was spoken to them about this child. And all that heard it wondered at the things which were spoken unto them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these sayings, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, even as it was spoken unto them. And, of course, the Lord had us glorifying and praising God. And the angels were there in abundance. And we were instructed to worship and praise God in a fast with all of our hearts and on the eighth day we would assemble, and he would visit us in worship with spiritual anointings, giftings, healings, and deliverances. And there was plenty of that there. Uh, different people giving testimonies, some getting set free from uh, many years of uh, disturbances and uh, demonic oppressions, and others getting free to worship and praise the Lord. And on and on, uh, giftings and healings and so on. And uh, Eve herself got a healing uh, during this time. And when eight days were fulfilled for circumcising him, his name was called Jesus, which was so called by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And the angels also visited Jesus, the man-child, after his fast and temptation in his personal wilderness, and uh, ministered unto him. 
here he was getting prepared to uh, take forth the anointing and touch the world. And that's Mark 1 and 13. And he was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan. And he was with the wild beasts, and the angels ministered unto him. Amen. Okay, here's another revelation, a confirmation of Jeruel's word about the fast and the assembly on the eighth day. And this was given to Pat, uh, 8-17-22. Um, just dropping you a note of the Lord confirming with me the message that the angel Jeruel gave us. Upon receiving the email from you Sunday night, the 14th, with Jeruel's message from the Lord, and I immediately responded that I was in and started my fast. The uh, message aligned up with the message David gave last Wednesday the 10th on ministering angels through UBM, where he described Jeruel as being the angel with the anointing jar. Yes, he's the one that stands over my chair where I usually study, and he pours out anointings. Uh, the next morning, I was in my prayer and study time, and I asked the Lord for a verse by faith at random for today, and my finger landed on Second Chronicles 7 and 6, uh, 6 through 10 for context. And here it is. And the priests stood according to their offices, the Levites also, with instruments of music of the Lord, which we also were commanded to do, by the way, uh, which David the king had made to give thanks unto the Lord, for his loving kindness endureth forever. Amen. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood. <clears throat> Moreover, Solomon uh, hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered the burnt offerings. And we also were commanded to fast by offering up all fleshly things, and... Uh, and to attend to the Lord in worship. Amen. And he met us there. And the verse goes on, And the fat of the peace offerings, because the brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offering, and the meal offering, and the fat. So Solomon held the feast at that time seven days. Ooh, just like us. And all Israel with him, a very great assembly, from the entrance of Hamath unto the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day, just like us, they held a solemn assembly. So this was the confirmation that was given to Pat. And this was, of course, just like us. On the eighth day, we had a solemn assembly and worshipped and praised God. For they kept the dedication of the altar seven days, and the feast seven days, and on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month he sent the people away unto their tents, joyful and glad of heart, for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel his people. Amen. 
So this was a great confirmation to me, Pat said, that the Lord is pouring out His Spirit to meet the crisis of the present and coming environment, and I want to be ready to receive it. I believe that the writing is about to be written on the wall of the Babylonian spirit empire, and great fear will follow when people wake up in the face of great destructions. And this is where Second Chronicles seven eleven through sixteen comes into play, where God's response is to sweep as many souls into the kingdom as a result of people's hearts being turned through the fear of God to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your grace unto us and to participate in your marvelous plan of redemption and salvation for your people. God bless, and even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen, Pat. Amen. And here's one that was called uh, Behold Your King, Dirk Olofsson, 8-15-22. All right. Thank you for passing on this message for the eighth day fast. A month ago, the morning of seven sixteen twenty two, I was busy with quiet time before leaving for work, and I was reading in John nineteen, and as I got to verse fourteen, which reads, Now it was the preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. (laughs) I paused there for a moment, uh, pondering the verse, and as I looked up, I noticed the clock was exactly on 6 a.m. And I felt that the Lord is is showing me now Uh, is the time of anointing our king manifesting in his first fruits. I asked Father for the meaning of this, and I received two verses, Isaiah 32, 12, with my finger on, Arise and pass over to Ketim. And 1 Chronicles 16, 11, which said, Seek ye the Lord and his strength. Seek his face evermore. The following morning, I began reading in Acts 1 and 2, and as I was reading of the disciples' anointing at Pentecost, I went to Father in prayer asking Him for His anointing and the pouring out of His Spirit on His people. My eye then caught a small card sticking out of another part of my Bible. As I opened, there it happened to be two cards which with two verses on them. The verses are as follows. Isaiah sixty-five twenty-four, And it came to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. And First uh, John five fourteen and 15. And this is the boldness which we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions which we have asked of Him. Amen. Everybody, I exhorted everybody to believe God for the things that they had asked for. And they did. And Matthew 6 and 33, But seek ye first His kingdom and His righteousness, 
and all these things shall be added unto you. Yes, we were exhorted through the angel to cease from all uh, worldly things, distractions of computers and phones and all this other stuff, you know, uh, worldly things, and attend to the Lord. And Proverbs 11 and 25, The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. I then looked in the Bible where the cards were placed, and it was at 2 Corinthians six fourteen through 7, 1. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness and iniquity? Or what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what portion hath a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement hath a temple of God with idols? For we are a temple of the living God. Even as God said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come ye out from among them, and be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be unto you a father, and you shall be to me sons and daughters. And I will receive you, he says in this text, and uh, will be to you a father, and you shall be to me sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And seven and one, having therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Okay, that's a word from the Lord. I just wanted to share this with you as, for me, it fits in with the call for the sacrificial fast and the anointing that will follow. I praise and thank Father for this wondrous time, the cleansing, victory, and anointing we are to have in Jesus. Amen. And uh, Deborah Finsky received this on 8-17-22. She said, Father said, continue in the sacrificial living unto him, unquote. The Father said that. They were, she was commanded, okay? I prayed and feel the Lord okayed me to share this. I was meditating on Romans 12 and 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, which we did, uh, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. And during the night, the Lord led me in praying that we would have a changed sacrificial aroma unto him, even after these eight days as we continue daily in sacrificial living unto him. And he said, be sure not to go back. He said, she said, quote, be sure not to go back into old habits, but love me and one another, unquote. And uh, Jerul said that the new method of worship should also continue on after the eight days which is the freedom that people receive during this time of worship to continue with that freedom to worship, not controlled by men, you know. 
like it is in most of the churches. And after that, uh, two times throughout the night, as I would finally start to drift off to sleep, I was awakened hearing a word spoken very clearly. The first time I heard coronation, quote, unquote. And the second time I heard, quote, revival, unquote. This morning the Lord said, Be sure not to go back to your old habits by loving and serving me and one another. Quote, unquote. So after the eighth day, stay in close relationship to the Lord and the crucified life, and then the crowning comes and the revival. I believe the Lord is talking about, of course, crowning the man-child in whom Jesus will be manifested through His Spirit and His Word. And the revival that's going to come from Jesus in the man-child. Woohoo! Praise God! We're getting close, folks. Eve said she had heard this very same message spoke to her the same morning of 8-17-22. All right. The bride has the fear of the Lord and an understanding heart. This was given to Marie Kelton, 8-12-22. Mm-hmm. And she is being used, I believe, to represent the bride in this revelation. During the meeting, I had an open vision of the Lord, and He put a gold necklace around my neck with a key on it. And she said, representing the key of David, which the Lord gave to the the bridal church uh, of Philadelphia. And uh, Revelation 3 and 7, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and none shall shut, and shutteth and none openeth. Amen. As God spoke to the um, angels of the church, he gave the messages forth. In the revelation below that I want to share with you, Anna Roundtree explains this golden necklace. Uh, A golden necklace represents the fear of the Lord. Um, In the Bible, a golden necklace is an emblem of authority for a person who is under greater authority. Like in Genesis 41 and 42, Ezekiel 16, 11. An example is King Belshazzar, who gave orders, and they put a necklace of gold around his, that is Daniel's, neck, giving him authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. Oh, so it was the time of the anointing, right? And that was Daniel 5 and 29. The neck represents the human will, either in yieldedness to authority or in being obstinate and (laughs) stiff-necked. Yes, examples are Proverbs uh, 1, 8 through 9, Matthew 8, 8 through 9, and Acts 5, 
Acts 7 and 51. Excuse me. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And the Father gave His Son authority over all things. Matthew 28 and 18. John 3 and 35. However, the Lord Jesus humbled Himself always to the authority of the Father's will. That's in John 5 and 30. And because of His love and respect for the Father, Jesus feared to ever act independently of Him, but found delight in obeying Him. Yes, and that's in uh, Psalm 40 and 8, Isaiah 11 and 3, and John 5, 19 through 20. And Christians will find rest only in having the same yoke about their necks. And that's in Matthew 11, 28 through 30. Praise be to God. So he then put another gold necklace on me with a heart on it. She said, uh, Anna was presented these two gifts, and she explains this golden heart necklace. Quote, the gifts these angels presented included a golden heart that hung a chain over my own heart. In other words, understanding. And... Um, the human definition of understanding is insight or comprehension with the mind of the meaning or the significance of something. The golden heart hung on a chain over a disciple's heart represents the spiritual heart of Christ being reproduced in that person. Like in Song of Solomon 8 and 6. King Solomon asked God for an understanding heart to administer justice in the natural realm. 1 Kings 3, 9, and 11. The Christian is given a spiritually-minded heart to understand things of God in the supernatural sphere. Uh, examples, Ezekiel 11 and 19, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, Isaiah 6 and 10. The renewed human heart or human spirit is to know intuitively in the conscience when some thought, word, or act is from God or not. But the heart is to understand its meaning. What the mind or the spirit cannot understand, the heart does, because it is sent of faith by which we understand spiritual things that are not seen. Like in Hebrews 11 and 3, Romans 10, 9 and 10. Okay, here's uh, Anna Roundtree's revelation. Uh, the Priestly Bride. It was published in 2001. And we'll put a link here to it. So we obtained this uh, excerpt freely from the Internet and believe we are not in any copyright violations. We give full credit and sources here. Um. Often men identify with the priesthood of Christ and women with the bride of Christ. But in reality, neither the priest nor the bride has anything to do with our own gender. Our Heavenly Father is looking only for His Son in us. 
He is looking to see if we exhibit the holiness and righteousness that was to be displayed in the lives of his biblical priests. We are a kingdom of priests, you know, I might add. Okay, He is looking to see if we exhibit that single-eyed devotion so apparent in a loving bride, the one who wishes nothing more than to live in perfect union with her husband even as Christ lives in perfect union with his Father. Since only perfect union will satisfy our Father, he created us so that only perfect union will satisfy his children. Okay, here's the part in her book that she called The Visitation. The edges of the air were on fire. I raised my hand to shield my eyes from the searing light. The very molecules of the air within our apartment were burning white hot from a central point. Swiftly the Holy Spirit spoke, Rise, Anna. At the time I was down on my knees in prayer asking for more of God. And now, however, I had stopped praying for I was struck by the wonder materializing before my eyes. The air sizzled and curled. From the center of this phenomenon, the fire, fiery glory of the Lord began to burn through the wall of our apartment. The Holy Spirit had to set me on my feet, for I could not stand. And seeing the Lord's glory while on earth and in one's body is very different from seeing Him above while in the Spirit. His glory is almost more than the physical body can bear. The Lord Jesus visited the Apostle John in a vision while he remained on earth at the island of Patmos, Revelation 1 and 9. He was so overcome that he fell at his, that is Christ's feet, as a dead man. And verse 17 is, and is there too, in Acts 9, 3-5. But later John was taken up into heaven in spirit, where he was able to look upon the Lord Jesus as well as the Father on his throne without being physically overcome. That's Revelation 4-5. through 5. Angels of His Presence As I rose to my feet, stately angels of his presence stepped through the center of the blazing light to enter the room. The Apostle John saw seven of the angels who stand before God to do his bidding, Revelation 8 and 2. We know that among the angels of his presence is Gabriel, who told Zacharias that he stands in the presence of God. And Luke 1 and 19. These angels are chosen for this special responsibility. 1 Timothy 5 and 21. They came in pairs, but separated as they touched the room's atmosphere. Four angels stood before me in a semicircle to my left, and four angels in a semicircle to my right. They wore pale lavender robes embroidered with deep purple and gold on the sleeves and hem, 
golden girdles bound these garments across their chests. Um, the colors of their robes signify that these angels stand in the presence of Christ the King. John nineteen two through 3 The golden girdles across their chests indicate their priestly service to God. Revelation 15 and 6 Each angel carried something in his hands in the manner of an emissary. Then four additional angels, similarly dressed, entered the room through the burning air. Each of these held one pole of a canopy, uh, the sort one might see in a Jewish wedding. And as they moved forward, the word love could be seen at times in the canopy's fabric. All that the Father gives me will come to me, Jesus said in John 6 and 37. The Father gives or betroths His children to His Son here on earth at the time when each one is born again of the Spirit and enters the kingdom, as in John 3 and 3 and 5 through 6. For the Christian, the Shupas, is the bosom of the Father Himself. The Lord calls this, quote, My Father's house, unquote, where His own on earth are to, be ab- are to abide in spirit even now, as in John 1 and 18, 14, 2 through 3, 17, 24, and Colossians 3 and 3. The presence of the canopy symbolizes the fact that Jesus is coming from his Father's house in this instance. The Shupa itself represents the Father as signified by the word love. Okay, and then uh, King Jesus is the name of this chapter. The Holy Spirit stirred and swelled into a whirlwind in response to the one who now stepped beneath the canopy. King Jesus, brighter than the sun, entered the room. Through the shock of unbelievable light, I could see faintly that he was wearing a rich purple cloak that opened in the front and hung in folds to the ground. It had long sleeves and was edged with a wide gold brocaded border. And beneath this garment was a white robe that also reached to his feet. The robe was grappled across his chest with a golden girdle, and on his head was a golden crown that was similar in some respects to the crowns used to cap Torah scrolls. Melchizedek was king of Salem and prince and priest of God Most High eternally in Genesis 14 and 18 and Hebrews 7, 1 through 3. The purple robe attests to Christ's royalty, John 19, 2 through 3. The white robe with the golden girdle across his chest signifies his priesthood. Jesus appeared to the Apostle John in the same white robe with the golden girdle, Revelation 1 and 13. The crown he wears covers the top of his head in 
filigree work of gold. It is similar to the ornamental crowns placed on top of the Torah scrolls, the written word of God in synagogues. The Lord Jesus is the word of God, as in John 1 and 1. He was terrible in majesty, awesome in holiness, and splendid in beauty. The Holy Spirit swirled around me to strengthen me for the intense light and power emanated from the Lord made it difficult for me to stand. But as you saw, the angels were there to empower her and to help her as they were with Jesus. Okay, the gifts. Then, as if by some silent command from Jesus, the nearest angel in the semicircle stepped towards me. In his hands he held a golden crown, which he carefully placed upon my head, probably representing that she represented the bride, right? Wisdom, he said, so he gave the meaning of it, the angel did, smiling slightly. The dictionary gives the meaning of human wisdom as knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment in applying it to obtain the desired results. But, quote, the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God, unquote, for natural wisdom is hopelessly flawed by sin, 1 Corinthians 3.19 and 1 and 20. The wisdom of God the Father from the beginning has been encapsulated in the person of His Son. Yep, Jesus is called the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians one twenty four and John 1 and 2. Those who receive Christ Jesus are put into Him by God, so that the Son becomes for them all things, including divine wisdom. John 1 and 12. 1 Corinthians 1 and 30, and Romans 8 and 32. Then, crossing his arms over his chest, he nodded respectfully and stepped back into the semicircle. The angel opposite him in the semicircle stepped forward with the gift that he was carrying. Notice it between the king and the bride, how the angels are bringing these gifts. He placed golden earrings on my ears. Knowledge, he said. So these represented knowledge. They were interpreting the, the manifestations of what was happening. The dictionary defines human knowledge as acquaintance with information learned from study or from experience. Golden earrings signify the divine knowledge from the Father that Jesus receives for the Christian. Christ said that, quote, He, that is God, awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. And I was not disobedient. And as we know, disciple means a learner and a follower. There, there are far fewer disciples than there are so-called Christians. We need to be disciples. Isaiah 50, 4-5. The Holy Spirit reveals to the disciple the knowledge uh, the Lord Jesus has received for that person. 1 Corinthians 2, 
One category of such knowledge is the spiritual gift called the word of knowledge. True. 1 Corinthians 12 and 8. It is a direct disclosure of knowledge that was not seen, heard, or thought by the Christian. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9. I remember when I was a very young Christian and God gave me the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. And another area of supernatural knowledge is the disciple's conscience where the Spirit reveals what is in accord or not in accord with the life of Christ in that person. Romans 9 and 1. And then he too folded his arms over his chest and moved back to join the other angels. One by one, each of the remaining angels of his presence brought the gift that he held in his hands. And after the physical gift was placed upon me, the angel named the spiritual gift it symbolized. The gifts these angels presented included a golden heart that hung on a chain over my own heart. There it is. Praise the Lord. Uh, Understanding was given, as that revelation from the angel. Well, the human definition of understanding is uh, insight or comprehension with the mind of uh, the meaning or the significance of something. Amen. The golden heart uh, hung on a chain over a disciple's heart represents the spiritual heart of Christ being reproduced in that person. Uh, Song of Solomon 8 and 6. King Solomon asked God for an understanding heart to administer justice in the natural realm. First yeah, Kings 3 and 9 and 11. The Christian is given a spiritually minded heart to understand things of God in the supernatural sphere. Ezekiel 11, 19, 1 Corinthians 2 and 14, and Isaiah 6 and 10. The renewed human spirit is to know intuitively in the conscience when some thought, word, or act is from God or not. But the heart is to understand its meaning. And what the mind or the spirit cannot understand, the heart does because it is the seat of faith by which we understand spiritual things not seen. That's Hebrews 11 and 3 and Romans 10. 9 and 10. Golden bracelets on each wrist, and it was called by the angel discretion. One of the meanings of human discretion is the capacity to act judiciously, being circumspect in exercising sensitivity regarding the effects of one's conduct. The main Hebrew word for bracelets is derived from a root word meaning, quote, to bind or join, unquote. Bracelets on the wrists of the Christian signify being bound or attached to the Lord Jesus. Yes, we are servants of the Lord.
And that was 1 Corinthians 6, 15 and 17. In the New Testament times, prisoners bound to their guard by a chain around their wrists. Acts 12, 6-7 Paul considered consecrated disciples to be willing prisoners of Christ Jesus. Romans 16 and 7 As such, we are to be restrained by the Spirit in not being able to do or say what we please, but we are to act as the Spirit leads, as in Galatians 5, 17 and 18. A golden nose ornament, and it was called discernment. Uh, The dictionary defines discernment as the faculty to make distinctions accurately between things. The nose ornament is a symbol of spiritual discernment because the nose instantly recognizes the presence of an odor. It distinguishes between pleasant and offensive smells without reference to the mind or to sight. And Ezekiel uh, 16 and 12 comes in and 1 Samuel 3 and 9. Discernment is meant by the common expression sniffing out a matter, quote-unquote. The first thing to determine in spiritual discernment is whether the matter at hand is of God or not. If it's not of God, the next distinction is whether it is of the flesh, coming from natural the natural person, or of Satan, which is demonic. This spiritual gift can be a manifestation of the Holy Spirit called the distinguishing of spirits or discerning of spirits. It enables believers to identify the kind of spirit that is operating in a particular situation, group, or person. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 and 10. Golden rings on each finger. And it was told her it was the ability to communicate. In ancient Jewish betrothals, for the right to marry the girl, the groom's family gave gifts called the bridal price. Genesis 24, 53, 29:18, and 26-27. And 34:11-12. The giving of money or some other gift of value constituted the engagement to be married. In more recent Jewish betrothal ceremonies, the groom gives the bride a ring and says, Behold, you are consecrated to me with this ring, according to the law of Moses and Israel. When one is betrothed to the Lord Jesus, A spiritual ring on the finger is a constant reminder that one is consecrated or set apart unto him. It also represents his pledge of faithfulness to endow the person with spiritual gifts and grace needful to carry out the Father's calling upon that person. And by the way, it is the angels who administer those spiritual gifts through the people of God, just like in this revelation. 
A golden necklace, and she was told it represented the fear of the Lord. In the Bible, a golden necklace is an emblem of authority for a person who is under greater authority. Genesis 41 and 42 and Ezekiel 16, 11. An example is uh, King Belshazzar, who gave orders, and they put a necklace of gold around his, that is Daniel's, neck, giving him authority as the third ruler in the kingdom. And as we know, that happened just before Cyrus came in the door, who had conquered Babylon and released God's people to go back and rebuild the kingdom at the expense of Babylon. <laughs> and that's uh, Daniel 5 and 29. The neck represents the human will, either in yieldedness to authority or in being obstinate and stiff-necked, as in Proverbs 1, 8 through 9, and Matthew 8, 8 through 9, and Acts 7 and 51. The Father gave His Son authority over all things. Matthew 28, 18, and John 3 and 35. However, the Lord Jesus humbled Himself always to the authority of the Father's will, as in John 5 and 30. Because of his love and respect for the Father, Jesus feared to ever act independently of him, but found delight in obeying him. Amen. Psalm 40 and 8, Isaiah 11 and 3, John 5, 19 through 20. Christians will find rest only in having the same yoke about their necks. Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. The eighth angel stepped forward and blew a mist of gold over me. It covered me like a veil from my head to my feet. Favor, he said as he smiled. The betrothed, Rebecca, asked the servant, quote, Who is that man walking in the field to meet us? Unquote. The servant said, Quote, he, Isaac, is my master. Then she took her veil and uncovered herself. Unquote. Genesis 24 and 65. It was a custom in early times in the East for a future bride to be set apart until she was married. A disciple of Christ accepts the spiritual veiling of one's whole being in consecration to him, 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. The word for favor is usually translated as grace in the Bible. The veil of divine favor, or grace, surrounds those who embrace their consecration to Jesus. Each can say, with David, quote, You surround me with favor as with a shield, unquote. Psalm 5 and 12. He too nodded and stepped back into the semicircle. The response. 
I was stunned. I had never received such an immediate and extravagant answer to prayer. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I looked down at the gifts that I was able to see, and they were princely. Gifts of my Father from my Father. And through his servant, Abraham gave gifts to Rebekah, the betrothed of his son Isaac, Genesis 24 through 53. Our Father God gives gifts to his splendor through his Son to those who welcome their betrothal to Christ Jesus, James 1 and 17. These presents cause the bride to be exceedingly beautiful in God's eyes. He said that, quote, beauty is perfect because of my splendor which I bestow upon you, unquote. And Ezekiel sixteen thirteen through 14. But why the canopy, Lord? I said, let all of these gifts be within for your pleasure, he said. The author of the book of Hebrews says that Psalm 45 is about God's Son, Hebrews 1, 8 through 9. It is a wedding song of the marriage of Christ the King and His bride. That's true. Psalm 45 and 13, the bride is described as, quote, all glorious within, unquote. And this refers to, quote, the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality uh, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God, unquote. 1 Peter 3 and 4. He smiled at me, quote, Because you have asked that these be for my pleasure, they will be for my pleasure, and, and will also be experienced by others. King Solomon asked God to, quote, Give thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people to discern between good and evil, unquote. And God said unto him, quote, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked things for yourself, I have done according to your words. And I have also given you what you have not asked. Unquote. First Kings three and nine, eleven through thirteen. These gifts will unlock my heart to you and to my body. All mysteries are bound up, locked away in me, Anna. But the mystery of my love is the greatest revelation of all. Unquote. The supreme mystery of God is Christ who incorporates all other divine mysteries within Him. Colossians 2, 2-3 The mystery of the ever-expanding love that is manifested in Christ is the greatest mystery of God. It can never be fully known. Ephesians three seventeen through 19 and Luke 10 and 22 Moving towards me, he said, quote, My chosen one, my love, a fruitful bough, an orchard of fruitfulness, unquote. 
Lord, I replied. Quote, I am barren, unquote. I had never borne physical children. He smiled again as he answered, quote, You will bear and be more fruitful than if you had borne physical children. I have withheld your bearing, but now I place my hands upon you that you might bring forth good fruit. Many children, all heirs, kings, and priests to their father. Unquote. Amen. Quote, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than of one who has a husband. Unquote. That's Galatians 4 and 27. And Isaiah 54 and 1 relates. He placed his hands upon me. Fire and power surged through me. He continued to speak. Quote, no longer will you bear shame because of unfruitfulness. Unquote. You know, this really speaks to a lot of people, I'm sure, who are worshiping and praising God for giving them something totally by grace that they don't expect. Amen. Okay, next uh, portion of that is ratification of the betrothal. Quote, cleave to me, unquote, he said. Quote, I am your husband. Well, Adam was a type of him, that is Christ, who was to come, unquote. Romans 5 and 14, Genesis 2 and 24. Husbands and wives on earth are to become, quote, one flesh, unquote, meaning that the two think and act as one in full union with Christ. The betrothed one becomes one heart, one soul, and one spirit with him. Amen. Ezekiel 11 and 19, Acts 4 and 32, 1 Corinthians 6 and 17. The Bible calls Joseph the, quote, husband, unquote, of Mary. After their betrothal, they were considered married, but without the physical consummation, uh, Matthew 1 and 19. This is also true with the betrothal to the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11 and 2. Let my covering be on your head. Quote. In two instances of betrothal in Scripture, the groom places his garment over the intended bride. And God spread his skirt over his people of Jerusalem that his love might cover their nakedness, the exposure, the exposure of their sinful nature. Amen. Ezekiel 16 and 8 and 1 Peter 4 and 8. The widow Ruth asked her relative Boaz to spread his covering over her as a sign of his willingness to be her protector as Redeemer. Ruth 3 and 9 
12 through 13, and Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 7. Jesus, as our head covering in betrothal, means that we walk under his favor, protection, and authority. This is so that our, quote, minds should not be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ, unquote. 2 Corinthians 11 and 3. His eyes burned into me as he continued, quote, I am the Lord your God, and none is like me. I am the beginning and the end. I am your health, your protection, and your fruitfulness. Thousands upon thousands of heirs will you bear, those who will walk right into my kingdom, those who will be at home in my chambers. And, of course, this word has gone forth into the world, and it's bearing fruit, the word of one who symbolizes the bride here. Amen? And, quote, Anna, unquote, he said in a more intimate tone, quote, you are more beautiful now than earlier. My heart is turned towards you. My desire is for you. You have captured my heart. Lock this away in your heart, for my promises are true and sure, unquote. The passionate heart of Christ for his betrothed ones is represented by the ardor of the shepherd for the maiden in Song of Solomon 4 and 9. Quote, You have made my heart beat faster, my sister, my bride. You have made my heart beat faster with a single glance of your eyes. Unquote. I could hardly breathe. Lord, I whispered, let it be soon. It's already accomplished, he said. Quote, Bear fruit for the kingdom. Shun pride. Quote, the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world, a system ruled by Satan. 1 John 2 and 16. Pride is claiming for oneself glory that belongs to God. John 5 and 44. All glory belongs to God. He has said, quote, I will not give my glory to another, unquote. Isaiah 42 and 8. The Son of God is, quote, the radiance of His Father's glory, unquote. But He did not claim that glory as His own, Hebrews 1 and 3. It remains the Father's alone. The light of God's glory shines within the hearts of disciples, but it's not their possession 2 Corinthians 4 and 6. They are, quote, reflecting, unquote, it, as in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18, where reflecting is the better meaning of the Greek word usually translated beholding. It's reflecting because the better word used there is a mirror, right? Not a glass, a mirror. Point not the finger. 
Isaiah spoke of abstaining from the pointing of the finger, unquote, which means passing judgment on other people. Isaiah 58 and 9. And then we go to the section called Departure. He bowed at the waist as a sign of his departure and stepped back under the canopy. Once under the canopy, he turned and walked through the burning opening in the wall of the apartment. The four angels holding the poles of the canopy also bowed and walked out with him holding the canopy over his head as he disappeared. The angels of his presence also signified their departure, and two by two they followed the Lord. Then the Holy Spirit swirled before me again, or a symbol of him anyway, this time gathering up all of the remaining fire and light. He too passed through the apartment wall, instantly the gifts became internal and no longer adorned me externally. The wall closed and silence. Well, I encourage everyone to that are listening to click the free download link here and read and acquaint yourselves with the heavenly wisdom and revelations of who the bride is and what qualifies or what qualities she possesses. And, of course, the ministry of angels to the bride. Amen? Okay, now I'm going to start on angel messages from the eighth day anointing. Last night, when David asked if the angels had anything to say in our meeting, I was able to hear a few sentences, and much more was inferred in my mind. This morning, as I meditated on each one's message, they each added more to complete them for us. I will incorporate it all for us here. Jerul spoke first. Since he had the privilege of bringing us the message about the fast and the honor of pouring out the anointing gifts, healings, and deliverances upon us last night, he said, quote, Your father is very pleased with your sacrifice of praise tonight. Many anointings have been poured out on the hungry saints of UBM who were faithful to humble and empty themselves and believe our message spoken unto you. This must become your new way of meeting and being. Amen. And Eve said, While I was typing this message, I was given a vision of something else that Jerul did once the anointings were finished being poured out upon us at our eighth-day meeting. In the vision, the scene was at dusk, and I saw him grow very large, that is Jerul, as tall as David's sunshine mountain. (laughs) Ooh, he was big. He no longer had uh, the anointing jug. His sword was now drawn, and he swore his black, he, he 
wore his back black velvet belt. So he had a black belt. Hmm. I saw him elevated 50 feet above the ground in a large valley between two mountain ranges. He was violently swinging his golden sword back and forth with both hands, and his face looked fierce. I saw many small, dark figures of people running and scattering for their lives, but they all fell because there was no hope of outrunning his sword. Uh, this is a confirmation that the factions have fallen. And I asked Shemuel, another angel, who, by the way, uh, stands by uh, our water filter, uh, which has behind it uh, drain the swamp. <laughs> he takes his sword and he taps that filter, draining the swamp. That's his job. I asked Shemuel, who coordinates with the angels over the foreign missionaries specifically. Quote, has their faction been conquered as well as ours? Unquote. Shemuel said, quote, the others who have charge of the missionaries overseas have put down their factions also. Talking about the other angels. That's the ones that have charge over there. But they, too, will need to know and understand the conditions of continued protection and success, unquote. Yes. So we're going back to Jerul here. From this night and onward, all of the saints of UBM, both near and far, who hunger to be united with you, the local UBM, in the worship and praise of our great God shall be invited every Friday meeting to participate with you in one accord to the reviving and restoration of their souls in greater body ministry. This is the desire and the command of your Father and our Sovereign General, Jesus, your Master and Savior. Amen. Baruch was then asked if he had anything to say, and he said, quote, Your enemy has been defeated this night and has been placed under your feet. The power of your praise and worship to our God and your Savior Jesus has gone down to the very foundations of hell and has shaken it to its core, and they have risen to the throne room of our great God and were incorporated with the praises of your brethren, the saints of heaven around his throne. Do not go back to the old ways. Amen. <laughs> uh, be very vigilant not to fall backwards and lose the ground you've taken back from the enemy tonight or he will penetrate your ranks once more. Amen. Continue to walk in the way and the rededication of yourselves in faithfulness to Jesus, your Master and Savior. You have put the enemy to flight this night. And I, I shared the text of Second Corinthians uh, chapter 20, Second Chronicles chapter 20, where um, they stood still 
and the praisers went out front, and uh, the enemy were uh, killed, killed each other off, basically. I shared that then, and I believe that that was what is, this was the culmination of that. Do not cease from pursuing him and overtaking him. Do not give him time to regroup by relenting in the fight. Our great general and your Savior Jesus is ordering his soldier bride to report for duty. The training for the greatest revival ever witnessed by mankind is now beginning. Don't fail to show up, unquote. Eve said, in other words, don't go AWOL, absent without leave. We've been chosen or drafted to report for basic training at Fort Revival. The Lord will be our strength and faithful to get us all in shape with his drill sergeant angels. I understood that they uh, are all using military terms and imagery in order to stress the revelation of a soldier bride to us so that we can begin viewing ourselves in this way because the battle comes before the wedding. So we need to view the bride as a warrior at the man-child side, fighting with the angels, and not so much as a dainty, demure, passive figure in her wedding garments. Then David invited Shemuel to say something, and he said, quote, I have really enjoyed praising, worshiping, and lifting up our God and his son, our great general and king of all kings, with you all tonight. Many of the angels have joined in celebrating this event with you. I concur with Baruch's report to you all. Do not fall back. You all have orders to press forward. Also, remember never to leave your fellowship or your fellow soldiers, brethren, behind struggling to keep up or wounded on the battlefield. This is a disgrace and a blot among earthly soldiers. It would never happen within our own ranks in the heavenly realms. We all follow the code of honor, the word of God, in battle, laid down by our great general and yours, Jesus, the word of God made flesh. Every one of you from now on will be on Quote, the buddy system, unquote. Choose a buddy or form a squad. A squad is a small group of four soldiers within a platoon of 30 to 35. And make contingency plans for mutual help and support to strengthen your ranks. A platoon of soldiers is only as strong as its weakest member. Give of your time and gifts sacrificially in order to uphold one another in daily training and on the battlefield. Don't let any fall through the cracks. When the Holy Spirit of God places someone on your heart, get in touch with them as soon as possible. Don't hesitate to communicate with one another because the enemy lurks and hides where the communications have broken down. 
Don't forget to deploy me abroad to continue fighting the enemies of UBM and all of God's elect, both foreign and domestic. This is my charge concerning UBM and all that pertains to her. I am also assigned to coordinate uh, with the angels in charge of the UBM missionaries overseas and have been given permission to introduce their names and their functions for the benefit of your greater understanding and their edification and understanding. Well, uh, let me say that um, although we are no longer worried about the factions uh, due to the fact that some of our missionaries in countries that are strongly antichrist we will hide their identity and nation in the following instructions from the angels. Okay, he goes on to say, the angel goes on to say, the angels who are over our missionaries in the Middle East are Hananiah and Thaddeus. Hananiah means, quote, grace, mercy, gift of the Lord, unquote. And Thaddeus means, uh, Quote, God's gift, unquote. Both of these are guardians as well as angels in charge of administering the gifts and provisions for the leadership and the saints in the Middle East. And we use the term Middle East because we can't, we're not going to identify any nations there. Okay. The angels over our missionaries in, say, Africa are Uriah, Mengari, and Abijah, who especially, who is especially in charge over orphanage and the children. He is in charge of ministering to their individual needs and protecting them. Abijah means, quote, My father is Yah, or God, unquote. Uriah is over the main UBM ministry there as a guardian angel of preservation and oversees the safe distribution and provision for the materials. His name means, quote, the Lord is my light or fire, unquote. Mengari is an angel who administers the teaching anointing over the pastor teacher and those who are being raised up by him to be teachers also, unquote. Amen. So, there you have it. There is a well-organized um, and very, very powerful group of angels who do their job around us. They have decided here at the beginning of uh, what is this coming revival and man-child ministry uh, the Lord has decided to reveal their ministries to us. And in some cases, we will be, well, we're always able to command things, and these angels bring them to pass. That's what they have told us. And so it's all right to use their name. Uh, of course, we give thanks only to God, and we worship only God. Angels are just his ministers who go forth, right? And um, this is just wonderful. You know, uh, we're told in the Scriptures that um, the Lord gives us authority over all the power of the enemy. 
and nothing shall in any wise harm us. Uh, we have that authority. We speak it. We pray it. We confess it. Uh, it is the angels who carry it out, like in uh, Revelation chapter 12, where they had they overcame him by the word of their testimony. And yet it was the angels who were fighting with the fallen angels and Lucifer himself. So the angels take their cue from us. We confess him before men. And the angels go forth and fight this battle. And they can't lose. If we confess him before men, if we believe in the blood of the covenant as spoken there in that text in Revelation chapter 12, and if we love not our life unto death. Once again, we come back to this meager lifestyle, not the luxurious lifestyle some of the prosperity people talk about. There's no power in that. You know, um, our missionaries all uh, minister uh, in lack. They have needs. And yet they go forth. People have actually seen some of them barefooted because their shoes wore out and eating a meal a day. And so we should suffer with them uh, in meeting their needs. They have a, a powerful ministry going on. Thousands upon thousands are coming into the kingdom. And I've given orders that they're not to you know, uh, use my name or identify the books that they pass out because of the faction. But I think we're almost able to not worry about that anymore. <laughs> uh, however, in the case where they're in a country that, is, that views Christianity as evil and persecutes Christianity, they still have to do that. So... At any rate, in on two continents, there is a really thriving revival through UBM materials. They are overjoyed to receive our materials. And they, uh, of course, the most important thing in our materials is we put a lot of the Bible and we try to base everything on the Bible. And, of course, the most important book going forth over there is the Bible. But, you know, for people who need things put together from the far corners of the Bible, in order to understand them quickly, our books do this job. And so the Lord is solidly behind our books getting out, even multiplying them in places they've never been. So the God uh, honors these books because they are unleavened bread. So, Father, oh, we do thank you so much for what you're doing, this powerful move of your Spirit. Um, although it is spread out in several nations over there, it's not the only move of God. <laughs> And there are many more to reach, as the Lord has said, that these uh, missionary uh, uh, evangelists 
uh, are going to go out and spread out through nations all around them and um, and and share the books. And also the angels have told us that they are going to share the books and materials and audios and so on and so forth. They too are going to do this. So we give thanks unto God for this mighty move of His Spirit. And uh, Lord, we pray today, we pray for the souls of those who are bound in foreign lands to false religion and to uh, uh, very legalistic overlords. We pray, Lord, that you set them free. We pray, Lord, that they have the joy of knowing you, Lord, as their mighty Savior, Deliverer, and Son of God. We pray, Lord. And Lord, these people who have been under such oppression and poverty all of their lives are rejoicing in uh, the gold and silver of your treasures that you share with them, the powerful words of God that you share with them, Lord, and how it will meet all of their needs, physical and spiritual. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your great mercy. Thank you for reaching out and touching these people, Lord. They so eagerly and easily accept your word uh, at the mouth of your evangelists because they've been under this oppression for so long, even seen religion in constant wars against religion, and constantly. And they're tired of it, and they're sick of it, and they want to know the love of God. And so, uh, our Father is revealing to them the love of God, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself to sacrifice His life for them. They're getting to hear the real gospel. Many of them may have been religious Christians, but they're still getting to hear the real gospel, and they're totally rejoicing because of the the pablum that they hear over their radios over there that is from these prosperity preachers in America that only want to plunder the poor people over there, for goodness sake and give them this foolish prosperity gospel. And when they hear the real gospel, they are so happy and so joyous because they've sat under this other thing that does not edify their soul, nor does it manifest Jesus Christ in them. So, Father, it's imperative um, that you reveal to our brethren, our future brethren over there, everything about yourself, that they become disciples. Some have given their lives to share the gospel. Persecutors who have come upon them and killed some of them because they share the gospel. And, of course, these people are... Uh, uh, in heaven with the Lord. But their works continue on. They can't stop it. Uh, as throughout history, when God's people have been persecuted, the gospel has grown. It has grown. And even this persecution has caused it to grow and expand. I've been accused uh, 
in emails from some of the persecutors who found out who I was, said I was using um, magic <laughs> on these people. Uh, well, and I tell them, no, it's not magic, it's grace. God has given them grace to walk in His steps and to sacrifice their lives, if need be, to uh, bring forth the gospel. And yes, they believe it's magic. It's magic, you know. Well, it's just something beyond their uh, ability to understand. That's why they call it that. And that's not the first man who was the leader of a bunch of persecutors that killed some of our brethren, uh, who has contacted me also and called it magic. I don't know. It's a big thing over there about magic, right? But no, it's not magic. It's the Lord himself who is their Savior, Deliverer. And uh, they said even while they were killing these people, it was like they were zombies. I told them, that's because they love you. <laughs> they would not kill you. They would not defend themselves. They love you. I don't know. I haven't heard back from that fellow. You know, uh, God is doing a wondrous and powerful work in spreading His Word. And we are so fortunate and blessed to be just a tiny part of it in these latter days. Lord, we love You and we praise You. We thank You, Lord, that You're going to do miracles to get the Word out. Lord, there there are many Muslims out there coming to the Lord in multitudes because Jesus is appearing to them in their dreams. And they want to know about Jesus, but they don't have a way to get educated. And sometimes we have helped out in that case too. So, Lord, we're just praying. Lord, it has kept us uh, as a ministry, <laughs> uh, kind of poor, because we're we're throwing all our money where something is working. And uh, Father, we thank you for doing this. It is our joy to sacrifice what we have to see such fruit being born. Lord. We thank you for pouring out your Holy Spirit upon all of those evangelists, Lord, your mighty power and your mighty gifts, that they be all that they can be, so to speak, out there on the field, on the front lines, Lord. Pour out your power upon them, Lord, and bless us to bless them, Lord. Thank you for doing this, Father. Um. Thank you for what you do every day uh, and all the ministers that work with UBM to get the word out. Thank you for supplying all of their needs too, Lord. They are faithful people and working very sacrificially. And uh, Father, we thank you for supplying all of their needs too in the name of Jesus. And Lord, uh, we thank you that we're coming to know these angels and their works, 
and how um, they have been telling us that um, they're not put to use as they'd like to be. So, so Lord, we pray that you show and you put in our imagination every way that we can send them forth to do the work of God because they do it so much more efficiently than we do it. <laughs> and uh, they do such signs and wonders to fight against our enemies, and they do such signs and wonders to make sure the provision is made for the saints. And, Lord, your angel uh, ministers that you have sent to us and uh, opened our understanding um, are such a blessing, such a powerful blessing. They give such perfect biblical answers for question, questions. And uh, they have confirmed, um, according to First uh, John uh, 4, 1 through 3, uh, that Jesus is the Son of God. The test, one of the tests, of course, uh, that people test them by testing the spirits. We tested the spirits in many ways, asking them questions and always getting a good answer, asking them about people who were in need, and they told us their very lives, and we knew that they knew exactly what the problem was and what the solution was. And uh, so everything has been confirmed and we are still receiving signs and wonders and miracles. I shared about my tractor, you know, and about the bugs and that kind of stuff, miracles. And Eve had her car healed. She, you know, took courage from these angels and went out and laid hands on her car, and it was healed. <laughs> I'm talking about the motor runs so smooth now, you know, not blowing oil and all that stuff, you know. The, the light that had been on since November, uh, the uh, check engine light on since November went off when she prayed for it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And now everybody over here is receiving wondrous uh, signs and wonders from the Lord and enjoying the presence of the Lord like never before. And, of course, this communication between us and the angels is going to get nothing but better all the way through the tribulation period. They are going to act in our behalf like never before. And they are going to make provisions and bring salvation from the Lord like never before. A powerful, powerful uh, witness of God's work to us. And we give thanks to God that he is doing this for us. They accept no thanks. They accept no worship. They accept no praise. They say, give it all to whom it belongs, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is. And so it should be with us, by the way. It's to not uh, glory in the things that God does through us. Because it's not us. If it is us, we're total failures. You know, it is God. If anything is done right and pure and with the power of God, it's Him. And so we can take no credit for that. Uh, as I've said before, the Lord came and got me when I was a very ignorant human being. And um, 
had no ambition to do any studying whatsoever. I was a kind of a playboy, I guess you'd say. And um, God dropped on me a mantle to read the Bible day and night, day and night, day and night. I was getting more education from the Bible than I ever got from school. And um, I had prophets prophesying over me and so on and so forth, you know, that I would do this and do that and do the whatever, you know. But you know what? Coming from the background I came from, I know it's God. And everybody else knows it's God. When my wife heard some of the uh, prophecies over me, she said, oh, they don't know him. (laughs) But you know what? They came to pass because it was from God. And he chooses weak vessels so that the power and the glory goes to God. Amen. And so we can't brag about anything. And the angels don't. Even who are mighty in power uh, don't brag about anything. You know, they brag on God constantly, constantly. They know God as we also will know and do know God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your wondrous works in these end times, Lord. The revival is going to be astounding over and above anything that people can imagine. It's going to be the greatest revival. There's going to be the greatest amount of knowledge and wisdom spread forth, uh, the greatest amount of supernatural methods These angels told us that our methods uh, are going to go from the more physical to the more spiritual. And our methods will be miracles. And yes, they will be there to manifest these things. They will take our confession and they will take our commands and they will go forth and make mighty changes. And they will conquer the forces of darkness. Oh, glory be to God. Give praise unto God. Constantly, saints, give praise unto God and thanks unto God. And uh, He will be everything that we need and everything that the people around us need. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your mighty gifts. We know that the saints are learning how to uh, uh, cooperate with their gifts. Lord, and uh, we thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name, we know that multitudes of people out there whom we sent this this fast out to also are receiving gifts and healings and deliverances. And as we said in our meeting uh, on the eighth day, uh, whatever it is that you feel God wants you to have, believe for it and receive it. Jesus said, all things whatsoever you pray and ask for, believe you received them, and you shall have them. And he's given great grace to answer these prayers now. You have not because you ask not, right? And don't ask to consume it upon your lust. Ask for the kingdom's sake. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Amen. Even those missionaries over there who are um, learning how to 
go out and minister to people, they're going to discover that they won't go anywhere that God will not supply their needs. I'm not talking prosperity, and I think they have a disdain for that, that particular uh, theology, okay? Not that God won't supply or ever need to do His all of His will. He will. It doesn't matter how much it costs. He will give everything we need to us to do His will. Find His will. Not prospering your flesh. The flesh loves those things and it grows exponentially as you heap your money and your time and everything on your flesh. It grows. Christ doesn't grow. Everything must serve the King. This is what we're here for. Everything must serve the King and His kingdom. Everything. Saints, this should be your attitude. And have a, a meager lifestyle, uh, a not over-the-top lifestyle. God will uh, bless His people. He will provide for His people. You can be assured of that. But don't set your mind and your eyes on the things around you because the love of the Father will not be in you. Set your mind on the kingdom. Seek First, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Everything that's necessary will be yours to do His will. You don't need to pack it all with you. A simple lifestyle is what the disciples showed us and Jesus showed us. They didn't need to take care of all these things that they thought were so valuable. They didn't have these distractions in their life. They had every need met, and so is ours. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory, the Bible said. Every need of yours, not every greed of yours. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in the lives of your people who are, are realizing that there's little time left to get the kingdom message out. And these people must hear it. The world must hear it, and they will. And I know God will use us to do this. Not that we're alone. We're not. There are many out there. So thank you, Father, for what you're doing. Thank you. Amen and amen. God bless you, saints. And uh, the Lord loves you, and we love you. And uh, keep on serving Him. Amen. Good night. For information, materials, and to contribute, go to unleavenedbreadministries.org. Contributions only may be addressed to David Eels, Post Office Box 231616, Montgomery, Alabama, 36123. Purest water made me whole. Let your streams of mercy flow, oh Jesus. I trust in you. Though the mountains fall into the sea, though the rivers rise, I still believe. For oh, your mercy stands and your word is true, oh Jesus. I trust in.
Jesus, I trust in. 